Hello there, this is Wilbury Steve. And Bertie Wilbury. And you're listening to the Fab Four Free For All. And welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free For All. My name is Rob Leonard and I'm your moderator for today. And joining me today, as always, is Tony Treguardo. Hi, folks. And Mitch Axelrod. Mary. No. <laughs> we were just doing James Stewart impersonations. Well, Mary is actually part of the topic we're doing today. Um, we're going to talk about the Beatle kids today. And then we're talking about the ones who are musicians. Right. right. It, there's a reason we're talking There's about a reason them. why it, it came up, a, uh, I guess it's a couple of months ago from the time we're taping. Uh, James McCartney is on tour and some British journalist asked, have you ever thought of playing with the other kids of the Beatles? Fair. Which you know, could be Julian or Sean or Zach and Danny. And he very calmly said, well, yeah, we maybe have talked about it. Would it, be, it wouldn't be a bad thing if we did it. And the next day in the paper, it was <laughs> like, Beatle kids to reunite to take over their parents' job as the Beatle saviors babies. of the world. Yeah, the right. Beatle babies are here, and they're going to solve crime. And <laughs> and it was really I felt bad like for, the Powerpuff Girls of I, the new generation. I, I felt so bad for James because here he is on his first tour, and, and it's a legitimate question in a certain sense. No, it's, no, it's not. No, no, but no, no, it's a legitimate question. <laughs> it's all. the wrong question to ask, though. It's it's a legitimate question for a really horrific British tabloid, is what it is. Yes, it's, you know, like, it's a legitimate question because it ends in a question mark and it starts with a you know, <laughs> right? So it, it, with a question, it was. I felt bad for James. You know, he's first of all, he's on tour. It's his first tour ever. Uh, he has a couple of EPs out. Some of them are pretty good, but I just felt like this is something that goes on going back to 1985 when yes. Julian first came out. And we all saw Julian. We saw him at CW Post College. I saw him with uh, you, Tony. I don't know if you were there, Mitch. Yes. I was there, definitely. Okay. Kid front row. And I have to say, the show was really good. But how many people were there just because he was John Lennon. Lennon's kid? Right. Most. Right. Most. And, and instead of maybe picking up for a lot, which was a very good album. I awesome thought, album. And listening to the album first, at least. So you maybe knew that some of the songs he was going to play. And there seemed to feel pressure on Julian's side that he had to cover a couple of his father's tunes, which he did John's arrangement of Stand By Me, and then he did Day Tripper as right. part of the, the encore. Mm. And, but, which is very interesting, an interesting choice unto itself. But anyway, yeah, we'll yeah. get to that when we get to all of them. Right, so we're going to talk about the kids. Should Beatle fans automatically like them and give them a pass, or should they be like any other person that you would come along and like their music or... When you say like, should we automatically, essentially, as you said, give them a shot? Or are you saying, should we be predisposed to automatically liking well, there's what they some, do? Well, there are some Beatle fans who feel that the kids are just as important as their parents. Eww. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> not sure of that. You know, at first of all, it's, it's a wrong way to judge someone. I mean, if we all had to be based on our parents, and every day you heard that, Right. And, and, and this is the Beatles. They only changed the world. And they're not the first people to go out in the world of famous people. You know, you have uh, Jacob Dylan, 
You have uh, Tal Bachman, uh, Randy yeah, but, Bachman. But we're talking right. again as musicians. Nancy Sinatra. Let's go through the kids first. Right. And then we'll go through what they're doing and see, give our perspective of what, what we feel. Okay. But, I agree with that. But it's part of the whole thing. It, yeah. It's the giant Beatle family. And I have yeah. to say, for actually all of the kids of the Beatles, they've been basically decent kids. They're not in the tabloids for the wrong reasons. They have some talents as musicians. We'll start with Julian, 1985. Well, well no, right. I want to start with something else first. What? On the day we're recording this, it's Father's Day in the United States, okay? And on Facebook, I'm watching people put up pictures of George and Danny, John and Sean and Julian, Paul and James, and I'm thinking to myself, they're not your fathers. Are we as Beatle fans so nuts over the Beatles that we'd even like, you know, go crazy wishing them happy Father's Day. Two of them are gone. And the pictures are still up. I'm thinking either deal with your own father if alive or don't. But it's kind of weird and very freaky to me. It's, it's, oh, it's too fanatical it's, to me. Freaky is, the, uh, I think, a good word because it's almost going over the line in certain cases. Not your father. And I'm thinking you know, today is Father's Day as we record this. But think about a few years ago, Julian Lennon basically went online and said, you know what? John wasn't the best father to me. And right, you know right, what? He right. probably wasn't. And John even admitted he didn't see him as much as he wanted to. And there was Absolutely. many reasons why. Well, now you could start with Julian because you're yeah, and, and the truth is that- it, And a lot of people got on Julian the first for being baby. honest about his relationship with his father. It wasn't perfect. Well, you have to feel sorry for them too in a way because with John, there was that aspect in a way that John was, and I don't mean to say this, but John was kind of- deified or whatever it was after John's right, death, death, John was kind of put up on a pedestal in many, many, many ways. And in many ways that were essentially inappropriate. If you wanted to put him on a pedestal for the music, absolutely. Sure. If you wanted to put him up on a pedestal for what he tried to do for the peace movement, for trying to, trying to become a better person. I often talk with friends about the fact that toward the end of John's life, he seemed to be trying his best to really become a better human being. And Julian resented and that. Even Julian though he has a great that. relationship with yes. Sean. Great. But I'm not here to How do you feel and, about the first, how do you feel when you're the firstborn and you've kind of been Well, not, well you know what? It's I'm, also. Well, and think I don't, about want, the, I don't want to get into people's relationships with their kids. Right. That's I see not what, what we're saying. doing. But it's part of the deal. Yes. But I will say, well, I think mostly for Julian, not the others. But that's what I'm saying. But I will say one thing. In defense of John, John is a beetle. And Julian, he was an accident. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he wasn't wanted. He was better say, you know, it's better say not planned. Uh, not planned. I'm sorry. Right. So, but here's the thing, though. John is a beetle. John didn't have time to pee, let alone be a father. And, you know. One could argue he had time to create the child, but that's beside the point. <laughs> that, <laughs> but that's something else. That's something else. Late 62. Right. Before yeah. the Beatles. Now started. the Beatlemania hurricane takes over and you yeah. don't have time to do anything. Yeah, that's very I mean, true. they didn't have another kid. Think about it. Right. So, you know what? I know Julian feels slighted, and that's totally fine. That's what he should. That's his... Absolutely. Forget about John the Beatle for no, him. That's his, his daddy. prerogative as his father. Absolutely. His I, never, ever, remember, but I feel sorry for him because where I was going with that was that the, the whole deification of John has yeah. made it very difficult for the two sons. Look, if Mary came out tomorrow and said, you know, my dad could be a pain in the ass. Right. You know, no one would think anything of it. You're Paul talking about would, Mary Paul McCartney. Come, yeah, Mary McCartney. I'm sorry. Paul would come back with, you know, yeah, you bet. You know, I'm going to make her do her homework. And we, <laughs> Linda and I told her she had to clean her room. And, and you know, and, and he's and done that. He's done absolutely. that. Absolutely. And the truth is, 
it would be a dialogue. You know what I'm saying? If John had still one. been alive, right, if John had still been alive and Julian wanted to say something in the press about his dad, John would have been able to come back with, yeah, you know what, but he's, also, he's right. And then it, but, but I think partly with Julian is that five-year period where John wasn't doing much. He was, he was with Sean. He was raising Sean. He was in a different place. He was, yeah. There he was, was no hurricane anymore. Right. And I think part of it is that John, in 81, if he wasn't murdered, they were going to tour, and he would have hit England, and I'm sure he would have visited Julian. And Absolutely. And here's here's most, Julian growing up. He's, yeah, at that point, yeah. 17 or 18. But so. what bothered me the most about that is that when you listen to May Pang talk, and you hear about that lost weekend for 18 months, right. Julian's always there. Right. And you see pictures, and they're yeah. fishing, and they're boating, and they're doing, and there's tons of pictures of Sean and Julian, and there's also tons of letters that, even in 65, that was sent to Julian that he bought back because he had yeah. to. And it does say, miss you so much, yeah. I can't believe I'm, I'm not there to see blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know what? I'm sorry, Julian. Get over it. But no, no, well, hold no, it. no, no. You can't no, say that. I am. Because, look, you, Julian was his father was taken from him before he had a chance to really grow up and have the relationship he could have had. Yes, because when yes, you no. get older, you have a different perspective. He was shot at forty, and Julian was seventeen. Right. So you have a different perspective as a fifty-year-old now who doesn't have his father and had the chance to mold a different kind of relationship before my father passed, I honestly can tell you that, you know, when you're older, you do have that different perspective on things. Without he never had I, a chance to but do I, that. But I also think that part of the thing with Julian is that people still talk to him about his father, and to many parts of John's life to Julian, it's, Julian doesn't know about it on a personal father-son relationship. Well, and I think that goes back to 85. You remember the Rolling Stone front page, Here Comes the Sun. And I also felt that people were trying to get near him because he was Julian Lennon. Well, of course. Now, he's not the first person to fit into his father's band. I mean, Jason Bonham has played with Led Zeppelin yeah. and has done his father's music a great deal when playing with Led Zeppelin. Yeah, but Absolutely. that's playing exactly But think about Live Aid. Remember yeah. Live Aid, the, the madness two days before? Oh, Julian Lennon's going to sit in for his father, and the Beatles are reuniting to save the world. Mm. And that's know, unfortunate tabloid crap, too. Yeah, but that's imagine you had to go—you had to carry that around a lot. He didn't have to because it wasn't true. No, but it's people still bug him about it. But you know what? Let's that's, talk about his the, music. Yeah, right? yeah we yeah. talked about We're, his relationship. Yeah. Let's talk about his music. He had a string of albums, a lot. You know, we don't know if that sold well because it was his first, and it was a Lennon. Yeah, I, it was good. So I like very, that. very strong uh, record. I think. For a debut strong. album, I think it's very No good. doubt about it. And some of my favorite stuff is not the hits. You know, like Time and a lot of the stuff that just is not the radio hit, the album stuff, right. which is filler, which is great stuff. I'll be honest with you. Julian Lennon's career is weird. As he became less famous, so to speak, he made better records. That's true. And that bothers me because I cannot tell you how good things like Mr. Jordan... Photograph, Photograph smile. smile in 98 was just blew Fantastic. my mind. Um, great stuff. Fantastic but you know record. what? I'm going to tell you something here too. I mean, and Julian tried very hard to get away from John's voice, so to speak, when he did his Bowie impression uh, on uh, I Get Up. Right. It was like definitely, definitely very Elvis and David Bowie. And But I'm sorry, Julian, but I got to say it. You also tried to capitalize on the Beatles because on Photograph Smile, there's a song called I Don't Want to Know, very Beatles sounding, and the video is all Beatles, meaning he walks across Abbey Road. Now, it's all done tongue-in-cheek and fun. 
And so there's, you know, someone getting hit by trucks on Abbey Road as they're walking across. Mm -hmm. But it's all Beatles satire. I, I'm but, sorry. But, but I'll you can give him but, that. But I I'm give, not saying I give you him don't a pass have it. on that because he can, gonna, I, he can attack it. I think there comes a certain point where if, if you don't confront it straight on. No, because now he can. Because now he's come to terms with his father. I see evidently. what you're saying. Right, right, uh, right. You know, he's come to terms right. in, well, he came to terms probably in 2010 when he did the uh, Lucy single for charity right, for right, Lupus, right. Uh, who was right. Lucy from Lucy in the Sky, childhood friend who passed, unfortunately, from Lupus, I believe. So he did yeah. a charity single. Great song, Lucy. Really Absolutely. Nice. So that was fun. He came to terms with John and John's non-relationship. Great. Good for him. Now you could have attacked it and said, you know what? I'm in a better place. Oh, I see what you're saying. But, but back I, in but 98, think... he was still mad at John. And meanwhile, you're putting out a video but, that's trying to sell the song in, because of the Beatles. But in 98, Sorry. though. But, well, how many still... other people have done the same thing? Right. I, and and I mean, the it... truth is, I do agree with Rob. In a way, it's kind of just, if you're going to have somebody who's in the position to do a satire and to rip on the whole Beatles idea. I understand, but you know what? May as well be and that's fine, somebody but, who's had to deal with that. But don't do it. And then... And don't, then say, I don't want to be associated with I don't want to be it. associated with John Lennon because he was a horrible father. Because from 98 to 2010, he was still saying it. Yeah, true. Yeah, but true. he goes back and forth. Because I then know he does. He'll say it, and then he, he'll, then he retreats and actually adds on to what he was talking about, which is kind of interesting. I just feel, you know, you, you said a good point. He sort of put out better records as he's pulled away. I love his later stuff. And, and even the latest thing, well, I can't say. Everything Changes is his latest one, which was only not released here in the America. It was in the UK and I think a couple of other countries. Rumors are that an expanded version is coming out in the US. And rumors put out by Julian, oddly enough, on Facebook and stuff. But his stuff seemed to mature. And it's a damn shame that nobody listened. Yeah. Because I cannot tell you how great the song Saltwater is. That's, That's a, a fantastic. Unbelievable yeah. song. Great yeah. vocal. Great song, great sentiment. Every good yeah. a sentiment is anything John ever did for the environment, so to speak. You know, like a, a cause song. Right. Yes. And you yes. know what? Nobody heard it. And it's yeah. a damn shame because it's beautiful. Well, also concerning Julian, he's out of all the kids, I guess. And maybe because he was the furthest one away from his parents, he has been buying and picking up Beatle memorabilia and his father's memorabilia. Well, that's memorabilia. for a different reason. That's for different reasons. And I don't want to get into that now. And, and that's, well, it's just something kind of interesting that he is out there collecting his you know, well, stuff. Well, yeah, that's and he there. has a really good book out. About his Beatle memorabilia that he right. picked up, which is really good. I'm sorry, I forget the name of it. I, I can't remember the but name it's, either. I've seen it. It's more of a picture book, yeah, does, yeah. but it's absolutely stunning. And I think part of proceeds go, you know, as well to charity. He does to, to give Julian his due and then we'll move on. Uh, does a lot for charity, does yep. a lot with the lupus, does something called the White Feather Foundation. Right. Which, which is based on the idea that John right. told him that if he was ever going to come back to yep. visit Julian yep. and let him know everything was okay who's going to come in the form of a white feather. And that has, which has happened, happened to, to Julian. Julian. Yeah. So that's so. awesome. And the White Feather Foundation has had some great photographs that they've licensed out and put in the Beatles Story Museum. And they make a lot of money. So charity-wise, brilliant. He's also a great photographer now. Uh, he's been putting out a lot of uh, his stuff in, in exhibitions. And I hope he does more of that. He's branching out. And I like that about him. He's very versatile. Yeah, and you know that's well, fine. There's two things I want to uh, part of the research that we did, or I did. A lot of people think that he's not part of the Lennon estate. Now Yoko is the executor of the estate; she's responsible for putting the stuff out and all that other stuff. But I have a music book of John Lennon's, and on the copyright it says Yoko Ono Lennon, Sean Lennon, and Julian Lennon for John's name. 
So to me, that would imply that he is part of the estate. But I also know that he sold part of his rights to some company. You know, there's companies that have been buying up Rockstar's estates, or at least part of it, Elvis Presley estate sold it off. Pete Townsend. Uh, um, Nirvana, Pete Townsend just did, but he's alive. Yes. Uh, Nirvana, um, um, Kurt Cobain, Courtney Love sold off part of his estate. So I believe Julian has done the same. Not the whole thing, not his whole rights, but part right. of it. So it's just something to note about that his name is part of the estate. And I assume that when Yoko passes, that it will be Sean and Julian. You would hope with Sean probably having the controlling obviously. Probably, yeah. Sean will inherit Yoko's portion. As right. Well. Um, so I assume that they would be partners in that. Hi, everyone. The cast of Fab Four Free For All are planning a major event for October of 2012. We're asking all of our listeners to get in touch with us if they think that there is a local radio station in their area or a local club that may want to become involved in what we hope will be a worldwide Beatle event. If you know of a radio station, theater, or a club near you that you think would be interested in getting involved in such a project, please contact us at fab 4 free for all and we'll be sure to make you a part of our happening. Thanks for listening to and supporting Fab Four Free For All. Okay, that's uh, we're we're done with Julian and uh, very versatile, talented very, man. We, we we do like him. Yeah. Uh, next is John's son with Yoko, Sean, uh, born the same day as as John, by the way. Years later, of course, right? October uh, 9th, 1975. Five. Yeah, 35 uh, years later. As a musician, he's put out a, a couple of records on his own. I think and he, uh, and he played originally with the group Sibo Maddo. Right. Then he put out on. Into the Sun. That was the one first of album. And, first album. Uh, what was it? Friendly Rising. Fire. Oh, Friendly Fire, right. Yes. Which yes. I thought was Rising, very odd. Rising, Rising is the album of Yoko's. Yes. Day, yes, right, right. Yes, right. I, I, I find it very, I'm sorry, but I find it very odd that he would put out Friendly Fire when his father was shot. That was my own interpretation. I'm not saying it's everybody's. Yeah. I just thought it was a little odd. Um, Friendly Fire, for me, was a lot better than uh, Into the Sun. Sun. A lot. I just don't like his voice. And that's not, that's a personal criticism. Now, are you looking at it as, you you know he's John Lennon's kid and you expect him to have John's voice? No. No. Which some people expect. And that's one of the things. Well, then you expect to hear Julian all over again. Well, that's part of it too. Absolutely. But you know what? I'm glad he's his own person with his own voice. I I just don't like that voice. I'm not saying it's a Lennon voice or a Yoko voice or anything. I don't like Sean's voice. I have to say, honestly, the most that I've appreciated Sean, um, as far as musicianship or his presence in in something, is twofold. Everything that I've seen and heard from the Plastic Ono Band show that Yoko did. Live. I think Sean, as a bass player, uh, I also had the pleasure of seeing the Rising Tour. And I thought that Sean was, was really a blast to see on stage with his mom. And he just, played his ass off that night. The new project is Ghost of a Sabretooth Tiger. I will confess you've not heard it all the way through. I have. Okay. It's I, actually I, very it's, nice. That's that's what I've heard. Because I'm I'm gonna say his girlfriend, who I think that's who he's paired yeah. with. Yeah. It's a very sparse album. Okay. And it's not heavy. What I've heard has been sparse and I yeah. and I've liked it. He's but, played out on Long Island here in New York. Yeah. Uh he played a, a, a show. He's been doing a couple. I did a little tour. But I gotta tell you, the honest truth is that he doesn't, at least in my opinion, he doesn't have a great personality. 
And we'll get to that as well when we start as talking about- As a performer, about, you mean? As a performer. Yeah. yeah you, and, I think and, he's just quiet. The, part, the well, scenes I've that, seen him, I think he- and, and this is part of it, too. Do we expect- the kids of the Beatles to be frontmen the way their parents were. Well, all right, but but you know, the thing is, though, Rob, if you're going to be out there and you're going to be performing and you're going to be trying to make music, now the truth is I'm going to be blunt and say that if you're the child of a Beatle, chances are very good that you don't have to be doing it for money. Okay? No. Whereas the be- average guy who's a performer who's 20-something or 30-something if they're out there making music, well, for God's sake, they got to be. But that's to not make why you bread. have a personality on stage. No, no, no. But look at me; I'm defending him. But where that's I'm going okay. is that if you are choosing the life as a musician and a performer, and you're going to go out there in the world and perform, you should be held. Whether your last name is Lennon, Harrison, or Smith, you should be held to the same standard as any other musical performer. And the truth is, someone who is a headliner at a club. Playing is going to be judged in part by their personality as a performer. Well, if they're a shoegazer, which, which is a form of music, if you're a shoegazer and that's what you want to be and that's your persona, and I'm not saying you do it consciously, and you, but no, then you cultivate the fact that you're in that form of music where you play and you look at your shoes and you do what you do and whatever. But the truth is then you're going to have to kind of detach yourself in a way from the Beatles audience because... If you're going to attract the Beatles audience, but, that, but that's, that's the not question. What do, gonna... do, are they purposely wanting the Beatles audience? If if I was them, I wouldn't want any Beatles fan to come. Ju- I don't think Julie. I don't my, think Sean really. If is. I was Sean or any of them, I would nah. just say I don't want Beatles yeah. fans there because there's, I, I don't there's a different pressure. You're absolutely right. I don't think, and that's the one thing I will say to Sean's credit. Absolutely, is I feel as though, very honestly, Sean is in no way courting the Beatles audience. I, really I don't know just if he's don't. courting any audience at this no, point. No, right, but and I, and I think that's cool. I mean, it's he's fine. out there he's trying a, to make it, but again, I think he's, he's a case of someone who's out there playing for the love of playing because he doesn't need the money. But I, and right. he's not. He's not doing. When we get to James, we'll see. I think but I James is in a different situation. I don't think it's situation. about money. I think it's about, especially Sean, has become a downtown type musician. Yeah, and if his name wasn't yeah. Sean Ono Lennon, it was Sean Smith. People yep. would probably look at him differently. Yeah, but, but I he'd think, be a downtown guy who would say, "Oh yeah, there's this guy Sean Smith. You have to go see downtown." But I have to say, in all honesty, that well, he'd probably play him, more too. He'd play more, and he'd be forced to develop his stage personality a little bit more as a performer. Now I got a question for you guys: If each Beatle, son of a Beatle, we we're talking about, went out as part of a band where they're not the focus, it's not Julian Lennon, it's not Sean Lennon. Danny did. Danny's the only one who's done it. Well, Zach's played with the Who. In Oasis, oh, of course. Yeah, that's right, something duh. else, though. But Danny's the only one who's been part of a band. The new number two, he uh, did a thing, uh, The Fistful of Mercy yes. with yes. Ben Harper, Great which record. was yeah. a really good record. Very Fantastic. good record. And I think that takes the pressure off being a son or a child son of, of a Beatle. Beatle. Yeah, yeah and, and we're, we're going to Danny, which is a logical step away all over now. And uh, But one more thing about Sean, just to, to say something. He tends to be, out of all the kids of the Beatles, in the gossip columns the most, because he's very popular with the ladies. And he's New York. And he's New York, too, you so know, he's, if he's he lived in, six a lot. If he and Yoko lived in the Bahamas, but he wouldn't be in the press. a surprisingly and alarmingly high number of photos with him and Yoko. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, there was one that was really sick where Sean was wearing almost the exact same thing as John, and he was next to Yoko, and they had the same photo from John and Yoko, and it looked 
eerily alike. Well, and I don't think Sean looks a lot like John. At well, all, I, but- I do. I actually, I think if you look at Julian, he reminds me of John of 1965. If you look at Sean, he reminds me of John of 1980. And if you yeah, look I'll at Julian and Sean together, they both have the same father. They sort of should look more same, but they sort well, of there's think, a split. I think Sean looks a lot like Yoko. But when I see Sean, I think John 1980. Yeah. So let's get back yeah, to so. Danny. But okay, so we, so we we were talking a bit about Danny, and yeah. I think that Danny, definitely by him being involved in the bands, you know, Danny has just showed himself, I think, to really be so much of an all-around musician, producer, creator. I mean, you know, he's, I won't say producer in the technical way, like a George Martin producer, but He's in, been involved in George's in his in right. his father's projects. He also seems to have had a very complex, I'm sure, but a somewhat normal relationship with his father. Well, he uh, he went seemed. to college in America here. Right, went to Brown. Right, right. went away. And, and George home. came cool. to visit him on Parents' Day every year without bodyguards. So it was a very normal relationship. And yeah. based on living in the material world, you know, the documentary, even Danny said that. He was very tight with his dad. Yeah. Right. It, so, it was interesting because yeah. he was talking about military school. Right. And, and George was trying to figure out why he liked it. <laughs> but right. he sort of right. liked it. The one thing right. I will say about Danny, he's the only son of a Beatle who had exposure to a father who was also part of a band. Not the Beatles. Traveling Wilburys. Wilburys yeah, where George true. was not the focus. So that's maybe he learned from that. He learned yeah. what not to do in the Beatles and what to do in the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, Maybe. He, he, saw, he was old enough at that right. point. Yeah, he, he saw George as a band member a playing band member. with Uncle Whatever. Jeff and Uncle... Well, but then again, though, you got to think about it. Well, no, that's true. Wings was gone by the time James was born. Yeah. Well, no, they... No, Not what, born, no. but, but he, by the time he was three old. or four. Right. right. Forget it. So you're absolutely right. And Paul, was, absolutely the, Paul right. was the focus of I, Wings. I, I know, but still... It was Paul McCartney and right. Wings. It, right. But it still, was, there was It interplay. wasn't George Harrison and the Wilburys. Right. That's right. That's but a one thing point. about Danny, and, and this is where when we say, should we care about the kids of the Beatles, this is where I care about Danny, because Danny's the one, first of all, he was part of the concert for George as a player. He co-produced a uh, finished up Brainwash with Jeff Lynne. Also, he's right. the one who went to Apple and said, I just played this great game called Rock Band. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should do a Beatles version of Rock Band. He's an innovator. And because right. of that, right. that's why we got Rock Band. It wasn't Apple saying, gee, that sounds like a good idea. It was because someone on the inside, if the people from Rock Band went to Apple and they were probably poo-pooed them away, but because Danny came in and this is where I care about the kids of the Beatles more about anything else because it, it involves releases of the well, Beatles. the future and the legacy of the Beatles. And maybe. how they're going to take care of we Apple, hope. so to speak. We hope. We don't and, know. But, and, but he, he's the one who said, you should do rock band because this is a lot of kids are playing it. And it's cool because Danny has found kind of a way to balance the idea of being a very independent soul, do what he's going to do. But to still be actively and directly involved with his father's work, his father's legacy, and the truth is, Fistful of Mercy is that's not a Beatly sounding record no, by any not. stretch no, of the no, imagination. No, no. Neither well, is a new number two. Right. Oh, totally. absolutely not. And Danny has been able to figure out a way to again acknowledge his father's work, be involved in helping to finish and do work on his dad's work, but create very much his own musical identity as Sean is doing as well, you know, in a way. But also to, um, again, as you said, be part of a band, be yeah. part of a, a, an outside conglomerate that isn't just centered on the fact that he's the son of a Beatle. Yes. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that he was the 
only one in a band, so to yeah. speak. You know? yeah. Let's talk about Zach. Zach Starkey. Oh, yeah. um, the drummer who's toured with Ringo. Yep. Uh, and he's better than Ringo. And, yeah. well, Ringo will admit that. So will John Entwistle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John well, is, all right. Let's say this. Here's, in a way, you don't want to say better. Better's the wrong okay, term. Okay, better's the Different. wrong term. Different. Different. The reason why one could argue that Zach is, quote, better is because Zach inherited by blood, by watching, by learning, whatever, his dad's metronomic sense of timing. Yeah. Right. At the same time. And also time, might be a genetic thing, too. It may be genetic, partly. At the same time, they all both swallow a clock or something. <laughs> at the same time, Zach was able to glean from Uncle Keith, right. Keith Moon, Keith's incredible ability to be all around the set and appear to have 11 hands. Yep. So And it, do films you know, that you shouldn't be able to do as a drummer. That should not as a human be physically possible. And especially in a band like The Who, which didn't really have a the typical rhythm guitar, lead guitar setup. And had lead drummer. And he had lead drummer. You also had lead bass. And then you had Pete and, and Rogers, just the singer. Yeah. And here, you know, they had Kenny Jones, who's not a bad drummer, but he's maybe not a Who drummer. Yeah, right. And then right. Uh, all of a sudden, a few years later, you get Zach Starkey. And I've, I remember seeing him at the Garden. I'm like, wow. Yeah, it, you know? it actually took the Who to places that they really, uh, in a way, couldn't have gone to with Keith because Keith just unfortunately didn't have the sobriety. He didn't have the stability. And thank God at the time, Zach was, you know, was now clean right. and sober when he joined the Who and whatnot. And Zach was f- phenomenal. Whether or not we'll still see the Who continue right. remains That's to be seen else. as of 2012. Zach was also in Oasis. Yes. Zach also was, a, right, the drummer the in Oasis. incarnation. I, well, I shouldn't say the last incarnation. He was on the last official album. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very good album, by the way. Yep. Very underrated, but no one listened again. Right. Whatever, and, but... and the last touring bands of, well, touring versions of Oasis too, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. barring the very last one. Yeah, I don't think it was. No, he wasn't in the last one. There's and I also... a connection back to the whole Beatle thing, which is kind of funny. Well, well, also, I think one of the things about Zach is he doesn't sing. So does he- There's no pressure. Yeah, there's, right. a, I think, a less pressure on, on making records. Because nobody wants, nobody you know, he's is drummer. judging his voice. Right. But let's be honest, though. Let's, let's be blunt. It's funny. We say no pressure. Well, because he's not a singer? He's still doing the same. If he was playing trumpet, I know. we could say there's no pressure. He's still coming out as a drummer I think there's with no, a guy he, who's considered one of the greatest his, drummers in rock I history. I think there's no pressure. His, his style's different than yes, his father. And I think he, there is no pressure because he's clearly, and I'm going to say in quotes, air quotes here, better than his father. I said yeah, air absolutely. quotes, which you take yeah. that whatever you want. Right. But because if he came out and he was a horrible drummer, then yeah. that would be different. But right. because he's an excellent, right. excellent drummer, and some say far superior than Ringo in terms of different aspects of drumming, then there is no pressure. The interesting thing about Zach, too, is, is that I've found in, in a couple of, of instances Zach to be a very nice guy and also extremely shy of interviews. And I, th- being, I think a lot of um, I think if we were talking about stage presence, I think it comes out of a shyness also just from being in public because... They're the children of Beatles, and Paul loves being in, interviewed, and George, depending on who was interviewing him, John at different points loved being interviewed. But Danny likes to talk, though. Dan- Danny he does talk, but, he, it's, but it's only yeah. about specific things. Yes, yeah. You know? But I mean, but I'm but saying, I think, you know. I think the, the kids maybe see that, and, oh, your dad has to do another interview instead of maybe playing with the kid. Or well, something. and let's face and it. Maybe that reminds him of something. True, but, and let's face it, truth be told, 
Well, I shouldn't say that. John got in trouble with a lot of stuff he did in his music. I was going to say, the Beatles and, and every rock music performer gets in more crap over stuff they say in interviews versus things that they say in their music. That's true. So the truth is, you kind of learn down the road, you know, I'm just going to sh- just shut my gob when it comes to anything outside of the records and just let the music speak for myself. And Zach really kind of essentially said to me in no uncertain terms, I just don't like to talk. I, I don't really feel as though I have too, too much to say. And the truth be told, really, I feel like I only just get myself in trouble. Well, also, probably he's probably started out to all these guys, you know, how many times in their interviews does it get to their parents? Where if they weren't kids of the Beatles, would the parents even come up? Absolutely. You know? Yeah, right. Like if I interview you, Tony, and I don't know who you are, but let's say you're this famous sure. musician, I'm not going to ask about your parents unless right, exactly. you bring them up. Now, I know your parents and nice exactly. people, but I, you know, I think that there's like a little wall that gets built up after a, a few years of, oh, you want to talk about me or, or my parents? <laughs> not that they don't like their parents or I'm proud of them, right. but- you want your own thing, too. And let's face it, when Zach was not straight and sober, he was in the press a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was constantly, I mean, you know, the fact that he was a very young father, very all young over father. the papers. Yep. Yep. The fact that he was having his little drinking issues here and there, all over the papers. So once he got his act together and became a musician, he probably just thought, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And uh, finally, I have the musical Beatle Kids, James McCartney, who has- a couple of EPs has just come out, and as we were recording this, is currently on his first tour ever. I think he just ended his first tour. Uh, well, ended his first tour. Uh, it was a short tour, but uh, it's his first time ever out on tour, and considering how old he is, it's he thought he might have toured a little bit earlier. Well, considering he first played with Paul in 97, really. On Flaming on he- High. On Heaven on a Sunday. Heaven on a Sunday. Uh, and he was 20 at that point. Right. Considering it took another, you know, 15 years to get out there. Yeah, and he was and on Driving his, Rain, a couple yeah, of tracks on Driving to Rain. To put his own, a very good guitarist. Yeah. Two of us have seen him, Rob yeah. and myself. But the problem is this. I mean, not the problem, actually. He is very multi-talented. And it was evident he's a pianist, guitarist. I mean, and we know he can play a ton of instruments just like Daddy. Right. So obviously he picked that gene up. Not as personable on stage at all. I wish he would have smiled more. He looked over me all the time. Uh, I, I hate think to he was say still it. Nervous. I think he's just uh, yeah, nervous. Yes, I, but I, I, by I, the end of the tour, he was still doing it. So, um, well, we saw him on the first night. We did see him on opening night, but his stuff, not bad. Uh, I like the EP. Yeah. I well, like there's the EP. two EPs, and and then they I, combined I like the both EPs to make a full album, the right. James McCartney collection, EP collection. A lot of it's good. He does a cover of Neil Young's Old Man. Right, which I really appreciate. I thought it was a very yeah, good very cover. good song. Uh, his voice, if you're expecting Paul, don't. No. It's very different, just like Sean. And it's interesting that Paul co-produced the record with David Kahn, and uh, Paul helping out is great. I don't think it adds or enhances or detracts from music. I didn't feel Paul's touch on it. I thought it was pretty No, I didn't either. The songs are uh, pretty mellow in the second EP. On the first one, it's a little heavier. I think they're very mature, but he is 35. Right. 34, 35. His style of playing doesn't remind me of Paul's as much as it reminds me of David Gilmore. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That, that's a good comparison. A, especially on Heaven on a Sunday. Yeah. Well, well, forget about that. I mean, yeah. I Only Want to Be Alone is a very good pop song. That was the first single from the second EP, Close at Hand. I think he has some developing to do, but he shows a lot of promise, put it right. that way. I think he needs to brush up on his personal appearance a little bit. That's my own personal opinion, for whatever that is, because I think he comes off as 
nonchalant, and I'm not sure he is. I don't know. I, think, I can't I, judge him. My thing about him, I think this is the type of thing where you, instead of going out as James McCartney, you go out as some name of a band the way the new number two is a band right. or a fistful of mercy. I think doing that would take away, I think, some of the nervousness, at least we saw the first Yeah, show. but you want to know something I'm sorry to say, but on Close at Hand, both EPs, it says James McCartney. It's not right, like the right, new number two. Right, but, right. So he's the focus. Right, and that's um, what happens. Yes, it does. Yeah. And he looks like Paul to an extent. Yeah, he To does. an extent. But I got to be honest, on the second EP, there's the half dark face, almost reminiscent of Meet the Beatles on the second EP okay. where he's got his hand up, close at hand, and it's got like one half darkened and one half... Yeah, that, that, no, I, I'm not saying it's Meet the Beatles. I'm just, say, I'm just saying because it, he looks like Paul, I'm not sure if they meant to market it like that or not. And maybe they did. And, and, and that's, you know, it's funny because if any other band did the similar thing, it's like, oh, it's a homage to the Beatles. But if you're the child of a Beatle, I know. it's like, oh, you're, you know. It's sacrilegious. It's, it, well, it's a sacrilegious is the wrong term. I think it's, it's like, well, why are you taking from the Beatles? Well, well I think know. the secret value of daydreaming as well did the same thing with like a sort of a dark half picture of Julian, a drawing. But that's a um, common image though. I mean, well, I'm not saying in, it's not. I'm it's just an saying, under a raging moon on, by Roger Daltrey too. Right. I mean, there's. That's just a common photography Yeah, but on this style. one, it just seemed a little odd. Yeah. But you know what? Musically speaking, forget about all the marketing right. crap, because that's not him. Musically speaking, I think it's, it's good. He has a little bit of uh, work to do, but I think his music and his talent is just unparalleled. You can't say it's, it's not there. He plays a lot of it. He does, he do, and he plays them well. Yeah. So good on him. I think he's going to grow. Yeah. I do. I hope he does, yeah, because I'd like to hear him in the future. Yeah, it's interesting, like... Very heavy but, topics, though. Yeah, but but who his, showed about up? His mom. Went, right, exactly, you're right. And also, Jesus, right. Be My Friend, The Wings of a Lightest Weight is about his mom. There's actually a song for Paul, I think, called My Dad, or, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So he is singing about personal things, which is great. And a 35-year-old has probably been through a lot in his 35 years. I guess he can sing about that stuff. One thing that I thought about when I was there was the fact that how many people were there because it was... Well, that's unfortunate. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, because his EPs were not big sellers, they were okay on Amazon and iTunes. I would say 90% of people there were there because of Paul. And also, don't forget, we're on Long Island. Paul loves Long Island. He lives on Long Island. He lives on Long Island. Part of the year. Right. I think a lot of people went there maybe expecting to see Paul show up at his son's opening night. So there's a lot of that. It's a good car ride from Amagansett. Yeah, uh, well, shh, don't tell him where he lives. No, but what I'm saying is, you know, I have a feeling 90% were there for that. So Yeah. But hopefully in the future, he'll... Yeah. he'll uh, so that's our look at the, the Beatle kids who are musical. There's some we'll others. get to all the others in it's a another different show. Because they're all talented in their they, own right. They, they are talented. And the question is, do you like the kids because of the sons of the Beatles, or do you like them because they have music that touches you or you like or whatever? And I think that's something that Beatles fans have to look at. I, I mean, on a personal level, on a Beatles show, unless they're covering their father's songs or they're part of something like that, I don't play them on my show. And I do get some phone calls saying, well, why don't you play the kids? And on a personal level, I play Photograph Smile and Mr. Jordan and other stuff like that way before I play Velot. Because to me, Velot was so overplayed. 
uh, and yeah, I love it. But it was overplayed. Great. But all the other stuff, I wish people would go out and just give Julian Photograph a chance. Smile. If you're going to pick one record, that's the one. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I like the first album a lot, and I, I like Mr. Jordan, too. And I, there's but there a few the other one, like, uh, Help Yourself. Help Yourself, I'm Help sorry. Help Yourself with Saltwater yeah. and yeah, it's fantastic. That, Listen. All of that. Yeah. I mean, no, the song's called Listen. So I would say, I mean, give it all a chance, yeah. but... Julian has some great stuff and unfortunately just is not being heard. And yeah. I can't see The Who going out, even though there have been rumors or talk or whatever, but I can't see The Who going out without Zach Starkey. Yeah, so I think I he's sort of become the member of the band. Yeah, I, he, agree. He, I agree with that. Yeah. So. Well, that's about our show for today as we uh, talk about the musical kids of the Beatles. I'm your moderator, Rob Leonard, and uh, joining me today has been... Mitch Axelrod and Tony Chiguardo. And please join us on Facebook. Uh, we all have individual Facebook pages. The Fab Four Free For All also has its own page where you can make comments about this show or any show or anything Beatle related. We try to answer them or other people do. It's a, it's a nice place to gather and get everyone in the same place. We also have a website, uh, Fab Four, the number four, free, the number four, all.com. And if you want to leave us a comment there, go to Fab Four Free For All at AOL.com. And thank you for listening. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All. Mary, 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 Jeez, Mary. (laughs) We're rolling, you idiot. Mary, 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 where you going? Mary, where where are you going to? You want Mary? Mary, you want to eat at home, Mary? (laughs) (laughs) I've got some Monkberry Moon Delight for you, Mary. Uh, Maybe we should go get something to eat and not do the show. You you want to play with my Monkberries, Mary? We'll just let him do James Stewart for the rest of the night. (laughs) What time is 10 o'clock coming? Uh, We'll just. All right, let's go. Mary. Okay. All right. Come on. Okay, I'm waiting for quiet for you. Oh, shh.